0: Preachers can fall into the rut on preaching on whatever keeps their congregation pleased. Keep them happy and they'll keep coming back from Sunday to Sunday. This series is something different. Instead of falling back to the familiar narratives that keep us smiling on our way out of church, we are confronting some of the greatest controversies facing the church. There is a better than good chance that I will say something from this pulpit during the series that you won't agree with. And if and when that happens, I encourage you to stay after worship. Join us for lunch and continue the conversation. We can only grow as Christians in community, and that requires some honesty, humility, and dialogue. Today, we continue the series with the topic of suicide. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, who he formed you, O Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The year was 2003, and I was a freshman in high school. And like most high school freshmen at the time, I spent many an evening on my computer typing to my friends on something called instant messenger. This was long before Facebook's wild popularity. Twitter's terse communication style was far away from coming into reality, and none of us even had cameras on our cell phones. But night after night, we would sit in front of our computer screens typing away about what we thought were the most important things in the whole wide world. One night in the spring, I waited for my parents to go to sleep, and then I snuck downstairs to get back on the computer. Most of the conversations were frivolous and limited by the speed at which our fingers could move over the keyboard. And I can't remember what the topic was that evening. But I do remember a new box opening on the screen that changed everything about my life. At the time, my best friend was dating a girl, and things were less than perfect. They fought about all kinds of stupid things, and they were the epitome of every high school relationship cliché. She, the girlfriend, was the one who sent me a message that night. And all it said was this. We got in a really bad fight. He told me he's going to kill himself. I don't know what to do. We got in a really bad fight. He told me he's going to kill himself, and I don't know what to do. Suicide is ugly. It leaves families and friends reeling in whiplash. It creates guilt and unanswered questions, and it produces feelings of morbidity and fear. Suicide is controversial in the church for a number of reasons. Many churches and Christians believe that suicide is ultimately sinful and worthy of eternal damnation. To have suicidal thoughts is to not have enough faith. Some pastors will even refuse to preside over funerals for those who have committed suicide. And here's the thing, if you look through the entirety of Scripture, both the Old and the New Testaments, you will not find a passage that condemns suicide. None of the prophets or the priests or the kings have anything to say about suicide or what happens to those who commit suicide. However, Augustine, an important theologian from the early church, read the commandment thou shalt not kill as a prohibition against suicide. And from Augustine's reflection on the topic, suicide became a black sheep of sins in the church. For more than a thousand years, suicide was a mortal sin and an affront against God's goodness. Those who committed suicide were treated as criminals and they were refused Christian burials. And even by the 1500s, those who attempted suicide... They were excommunicated from the church and then were punished by the civil authorities. You owed the government money if you tried to take your life and you failed. And still today, suicide carries an awful stigma in the realm of the church and is one that is either referred to with eternal damnation or complete and utter silence. That silence the utter and complete darkness of a topic that is remarkably relevant for our time and reflection is a controversy worth confronting. According to the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, on average, one person dies by suicide in the state of Virginia every eight hours. It is the 11th leading cause of death in our state and is the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34. Among high school students across the whole country, 17% seriously considered suicide in the last 12 months. And 8% attempted suicide one or more times in the last year. That means when we have our circle meeting, our youth meeting here at the church on Wednesday nights, if we have 10 kids in attendance, that means that two of them have thought about suicide in the last year. And it means that one of them has tried If you're like me, you tend to think about young people being the most susceptible to suicide attempts. But suicide rates are actually highest among people who are middle-aged and older by a lot. In fact, middle-aged and older adults are nearly twice as likely to commit suicide as young people. And right now, suicide has surged to its highest levels in 30 years. When I received that message on my computer back at the beginning of high school, I grabbed my things and I was out the door before I even had a chance to really think about what I was doing. All I knew was that my friend would not make an empty threat about suicide like that and I had to do something about it. So I grabbed my bicycle out of the garage and I started riding as fast as I possibly could in the middle of the night. He lived a couple miles away, and when I screeched into his driveway, I was drenched in sweat. I dumped the bike right there, and I ran to the front door, and I started banging with my fists, and I yelled as loud as I could. Within a minute, his parents were coming down the stairs in their pajamas with tired and angry looks on their faces. When they opened the door and saw me standing and sweating in the dark, they were utterly bewildered, and then I told them why I was there. We immediately went to check on him in his bedroom, but he wasn't there. We searched the house from the top to the bottom, and we finally found him in the basement. He was sitting on the couch with tears in his eyes, and he had just swallowed an entire bottle of ibuprofen. They took him to the hospital, and they had his stomach pumped. They sat there and they held their son while he cried and wretched, and they saved his life. Suicide is not the way any human life should end. The church, This church has an obligation to see that all persons are grafted into a community of love and are cared for in the midst of isolation and depression and despair. Because life is a gift. Plain and simple. It is a gift from God. And therefore we are called to be good stewards of this gift. Our lives and the lives of other people. And we cannot ignore this topic as if it has nothing to do with us. The statistics confront us with a stark reality about the prevalence of suicide in our culture. With the advent of the internet and instant communication. Young people are being bullied and attacked at a degree that few of us can even fathom. Within an economy that moves up and down like a roller coaster, people in the middle of life are undergoing identity crises and are wondering how they can provide for their families. Older people who receive a grim diagnosis or the loss of a spouse struggle to justify living with such a horrible outlook for the days ahead. We know that we're supposed to be present for each other, like being there for friends and family at a moment of tragedy. We rarely know what to say on such occasions, but we know that the least we can do is be there. We, above all things, are called to be there for others in the midst of their suffering and their loneliness and their depression that leads to the contemplation of suicide. Because to to be part of a faithful community like this requires us to be for one another. We live because life is a gift. We are not our own creators. We Christians are the people who know and must learn to live by the fact that life is a gift. We live every day not as a survival technique, but through recognizing that each and every day is an opportunity to live and love in the service of God. When we talk about suicide, we say it is the taking of one's life. But even the way we talk about suicide shows how much of a problem we have with it. Because our lives are not our own. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. We belong to God. And God tells us not to be afraid because God will be with us when we pass through the waters and the rivers of life shall not overwhelm us. We shall not be burned by the fires of frustration, not because they won't hurt or be terrifying, but because we belong to God and God is with us. If we're here in the sanctuary this morning, we have some sense of how true this is in our lives. We know that God is with us. We feel God's presence in worship and are given the strength to be God's presence for others who sink under the waters of life and who feel burned by the world. It is our charge and our task to be shaped and called by God's love so that we might reach out to those who contemplate suicide. We have the challenge of showing all people, particularly those who see no value to their lives, how our lives are not defined by what we have done with them, but what God can and will do with them. Six months after my friend had his stomach pumped, he tried to kill himself again. This time he did it with a hose running from his exhaust pipe into the window of his car. But his little brother heard the car door close and it woke him up in the middle of the night. And he thought he should wake up his parents. And so in the strange and quiet time of the darkness of night, they went outside and they pulled their son out of the car and they finally got him some help. It took a long time for him to move on. It took counselors and therapists. It took friends and family. It took the power of God's grace to show him that his life could get better, that there was hope for a future, that there was something worth living for. And because people in his life were brave enough to confront his suicide attempts, he still lives today. But there will always be people that we cannot reach There will be people who feel so suffocated by the weight of the world that they will make that dreadful decision to end the life that God has given to them. And for them, for those who will die by their own hand, what will happen to them? For centuries, the church saw suicide as an unpardonable sin, something that eternally damns those who do it. Will God abandon them for making such a choice? Will God refuse to love the people who felt no love in their lives? Will the God of mercy punish them until the end of time? No. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us and them from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can ever separate us from that love. Not even suicide. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit one God, now and forever. Amen. Would you please pray with me?